0: Worshippers of god no this world is filled with worshipers of god's stuff this world is filled with worshipers of of sin and self but not of the lord So therefore, our desire, and I think every Christian's desire is for earth to look as much like heaven as possible until the Lord returns, is that we spread the message of Christ, people are converted, hearts are changed, and therefore, we worship as they worship. We see as they see. We treasure as they treasure but as you said earlier, sister, unfortunately, the way that this idea of heaven on earth is really being painted is we're all kings and queens. We all have mansions. We all drive what we want. We have, we have creative power in our speech. We can make doors open and close. We can create worlds and shut down worlds. Basically, what people mean, unfortunately, by that is I'm God of my own heaven. And that is the language of hell. So if what you mean by let's bring heaven down to earth, meaning let's make God the center and focus and priority of all things. Let us make Christ the very light of all that we are. May he be the center and passion of our lives. Give me one pure and holy passion. May he be the obsession of all that we do. Then amen. Amen. But if what is meant by that is prosperity and riches and wealth and no sickness because they don't get sick in heaven and all this foolishness, then that is a demonic heresy. So it would just depend on who you're talking to. But it is very biblical that we would have a desire for this world to look as much like paradise as possible. And yet there's also that tension of we live in a fallen world that is getting worse, right? Things are breaking down. Things are shutting down. So we don't mean that the buildings and the ground and the grass and the mountains are going to look heavenly, but hearts. Because where your heart is, there your treasure is also. And the Lord tells us that our hearts should be for him, that he would be the treasure of our hearts. And he, Satan is the God of this world. In one sense. You know, and we see that
1: evidence every
0: day. Yeah, Satan is the God of this world in one sense, right? In another sense, the Lord is the Lord of all, right? This the, the Lord the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so, yes, the the Satan is the God of this world system. It's the very thing that John is preaching against in 1 John, that all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, um, that is not of God, and anyone who's a part of that does not know God. The things of this world are passing away along with the lust thereof. So Satan, amen, he's the God of all of that. And that system, that God-hating, self-loving, sin-treasuring system that he is ruler of, That is what we are in rebellion against. That is what we are making war against, and that's why we are spreading the kingdom of the king, his name, his authority, his rulership, his domain, his dominion, to take from the thief what he has stolen. Um, And so, right, we're not trying to create a utopia here. We're not trying to have some type of... Uh, you know, that's what, the, that's what the philosophers and the governmental rulers of this world are trying to create, uh, laws and systems. And that's a backwards mindset. But to have the hearts of men and women and children totally committed and faithful to the Lord of Lords, that's very much like heaven There's a, I know this analogy will break down somewhere, but in certain cities, there are pockets uh, of cultures. You know, in New York, they have like uh, Chinatown, go to Little Italy, right? Um, All that kind of thing. And for someone who comes from Italy, let's say, and they go to Little Italy, it's like, this is like a taste of home. It's not home, but... This reminds me of home. Uh, It makes them long for home. And the church, the community of faith, the called out ones, we are creating an atmosphere uh, like a little Italy, right? And when we fellowship with one another, I mean, how many times have I heard Brother KC in prayer meetings say, this is like a little oasis for me. Uh, We come from our lives of fighting against all the world and all the, the discussions that have nothing to do with the Lord, and we come together with the brothers and sisters, and we fellowship, and we talk of the things of the Lord, and we sing the songs of the redeemed, and we open up the Bible, and it's, it's beautiful, it's sweet, and then we're like, all right, got to break, we got to go back, but that's giving us just a taste of what's to come. Any other questions about that? any follow ups or Yeah, very, very good point. Uh, Some people take this language of "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven" to mean that the Christian is to seek to um, inject basically a theocracy, right, on earth, where God is the the ruler of the governmental systems in such a way that it looks like ancient Israel. And so our duty, according to this worldview, is that we are to um, bum rush (laughs) politics to run in there and get our hands in there and seek to spread uh, Christian uh, thought and morality and principles and ethics and have that be the ruling uh, overarching government uh, even over unbelievers and that created what is called sacralism can anybody you you know it just not the term sacralism is where the king and the church are in cahoots and therefore, we live in Texas, so the uh, the religion of Texas would be whatever the, the ruler of Texas, the governor of Texas is. So, if the governor of Texas is a Catholic, then Texas is Catholic. If the governor of Texas is a Baptist, then Texas is Baptist. Um, now, here we live in a Democratic Republic, Representative Republic, but here was the time of kings. So kings ruled over with total autonomy, total sovereignty. And so the king uh, and the church were one in one. And whether you were a believer or an unbeliever, this was your religion. And the thought was, "We're, we're bringing the kingdom here on earth. And I would say that the Bible rejects that, as you pointed out. Uh, Jesus had an opportunity to do that if that was his desire, if that was his goal, if that was his mission, and yet he said, my kingdom is what? Not of this world. Wait, if the kingdom is, his kingdom is not of this world, does that mean that he's not the king of this world? Well, no, right? The, the, the kingdom of heaven is in your very midst. The kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is is the hearts of men. This is the power of Christ. You can have an outward law that never touches inside. You can have rules and regulations written on stone, written on paper, written in manuals and books, and it can be enforced with sword and gun and everything else, but the hearts of men never change. But Christ goes after the hearts of men, and when the heart changes, society changes. And this has been documented from the very beginning of the gospel being put forth, where the gospel is being preached, where true believers, genuine Christians, are growing in a society that society changes positively. You have, uh, I think of, um, man, we were talking about this, maybe it was Wednesday, where Jim Elliot and the brothers who were with him They went in to preach the gospel to these pagans who were, they had a culture, they had a history of spearing one another. It was just revenge. The whole society was built upon retaliation. And they are martyred, murdered in the process of bringing the light of Christ. So what happens Their wives go in, their children go in, live among these people and preach the truth of Christ and they're saved. And what happens to that society? They stop spearing one another. They start forgiving one another, helping one another, loving one another. And to this day, the entire civilization has been transformed Christ goes after the heart. When the heart changes, the person changes, the family changes, the society changes. So Christ is not trying to put his guy in government and say, "Okay, now that I have a Christian in government, society is going to change by him inflicting my rules upon people who don't care about what I have to say. Look, every government has to have law, and there's no higher law, no better law than the law of God. But Christ is going after the heart. The gospel penetrates the heart, and He's about regeneration. He's about transformation. Um, so yes, I, I would I would reject the I don't know what to call that. I think they call it like um, like that's conquering the seven hills or the seven mountains of you know. We're going to conquer entertainment. We're going to conquer government. We're going to conquer this. We're going to conquer that. And when Christians are in that, then the world will be... You look in the book of Acts, it looks very different. The simple preaching of the gospel saves a jailer. That jailer, his whole family is saved through the preaching of the gospel. And then you have a church in Philippi. That's how the Lord does it. Okay, so which passage are. Because I thought I was thinking you were speaking of a specific verse, but which. talking about the government. Right, so which passage are you. So I'm thinking because electing is a new thing, right? They had kings. We have a series at our house, our children, we all like to watch called What's in the Bible? And there's one of them where they go through all the kings of Israel and Judah and bad king after bad king after bad king after bad king. Uh, And this was the, the will of the Lord. This was prophecy from Solomon's, well, even David's sin, Solomon's going against it, okay, because of this, I'm turning y'all over to bring about, I'm gonna, y'all are going to be sold into the slavery to the Babylonians. Um, there was no an electing of a king during the, uh, well, in the Old Testament. Whoever was the father, their son took over. So they didn't have a, a, a say, they didn't have a, a place in it. We're told to pray, and uh, was it first Timothy for our rulers, those who are in power, um, that we may live peaceful lives. And the number one prayer that we're praying is that God would save them. It's good and, and right to have people in power who are righteous, who are going to judge righteously. Amen. That is an excellent thing. And, and it's it's much better to have somebody in power who loves the Lord than those who don't. Right. When the when the wicked are in power, the people groan. Right on. Uh. But that's I mean, we want everyone to be saved. So rulers and those they rule masters and their slaves. We want everyone to know the Lord. So it's not a special um, mission to go after rulers and governors. It's the great commission to preach the gospel to every creature. And so, yes, we definitely see the benefit. There's a benefit, children, to having Christian parents. And those of you who are growing up in a Christian home, you don't know what it's like. Maybe, maybe your parents were saved while they were your parents. But if you just came into this world with Christian parents, you don't know what it's like to grow up in a house with lost parents. And that's a blessing. It is a horrible thing to be under the authority of someone who does not love the Lord. It is a cruel thing. There is nothing restraining them from pouring out their wrath and their selfishness and their cruelty upon you. And you take that up to this level of government where they have the power of the sword, Romans 13, and it gets definitely more uh, troubling. But as we look at this world, Really think of the world. How many nations can say they have godly leaders? Or even a godly form of government, even something that resembles scripture, from dictators to communists to monarchies. So, yeah, amen, sister. We want to pray for all people, leaders included, because their leadership affects us. And it's a beautiful thing to have believers in every sphere of life, if possible. Uh, That's a beautiful thing. But I don't believe that we have a special mission, as some people say it, that we are supposed to go after the political sphere so that we can put Christians in government, so that we can have a Christian nation. That's a very American mindset that really points back to sacralism, church, government connected. And that is not the way of the word. Well, sorry I, and if I said anything that made it sound like we shouldn't want that, then forgive me for speaking well, we we oh. we in well I wouldn't even say that we're not we shouldn't be involved in doing that. I would say that I don't believe that that is a that is a unique mission of the church to take over government and that's what some people are are, are saying and believing and that is if we look at what the last Forty years, um, the moral majority—that is exactly what when the mindset was—and putting up people who, um, uh, what's what's the Liberty University? What was the name of that? The guy who was over that. Oh, man. Do oh. you know his name? Y'all know who? Um, yeah, yeah. They, they, there was a time in the country when there were all these people who. Yeah, I mean, they were Bible holding and we're against this and we're against that. And the moral majority and It looked really good. And this idea of the Christian nation uh, and even people's talk that way. I want to go back to when this was a Christian nation. Wait, what do you mean by that? That's a very scary thought. Christian nation. Everybody was Christian. Yeah. Yes. Wouldn't make them Christian. Right. So it's a different than saying everyone's a Christian, but by having godly rulers and godly laws, I think that would be good for even unbelievers. Absolutely. So I mean. That is true, and that's biblical. Unfortunately, that language is hijacked and put into Christian nation. And you hear people talk about like, like the good old days and they speak of, you know, like when the pilgrims came and there were Puritans everywhere. And again, there's the church and then there's the church influencing an area, influencing a, um, a city or a town or or even a state. And you can see that influence because, like you said, the law of the Lord There is no higher law. And to have that law, the law of God, be what um, what drives, how are we going to govern this land? That's excellent. But Like I said, how does that come about? It comes about by believers. Um, again, is that even possible in America at this point? Anything is possible with God. But there was a time, right, when the language, it, it was just assumed that the people that you meet are Christians. And you go back to the... Uh, the earliest laws of like the commonwealth and you can see there were laws against blasphemy there was sabbath laws there were there were laws that were clearly and purposely taken out of scripture and applied to everyone Um, what was the result of that why did we need a great awakening Why do we need a second great awakening in a context where the Bible was being constantly preached and the law, the actual law of the land had book, chapter and verse associated with it? What was the need of a great awakening? Because they weren't taking it the way you just said it. It was being thought that as long as we have the law of God and as long as we have this umbrella over us, everybody's assumed to be Christian. And there were lost men in pulpits, there were dead churches all over the place, evangelism wasn't happening, why evangelize? The only people that need to be evangelized is the heathen Indian. Well, not so fast. You're not a Christian because you're born, and again, you get covenant theology and it starts, you're not a Christian because you're born into a a land that has the law of God. Now all of us know that and we say amen to that, but as I said, these thoughts that are biblical get hijacked, the language gets used, and it gets applied to other thoughts and other worldviews. And I love history. I'm a, I, I appreciate history, not just church history, but history itself. And I would encourage you all, if this is kind of like what was was actually saying, go and check out what life was like during the first and second Great Awakening Go see when George Whitfield came to the Americas. Why was the fields filled with thousands, ten thousand people rushing from everywhere, church going people? What was life like in England when you know so that's hopefully that have I created more questions than answers? <laughs> Alright, we'll, well bring them let's let's we seek to address them. So I, I think the example that you brought up of like going back to the founding fathers
1: is kinda of interesting because I don't know how Christian those guys actually were. You know, I've seen a lot of I guess statements and quotes that were atheists like right. not very Christ, explicitly
0: Christian. Right. Very good thing. It definitely doesn't mean that they are even themselves are Christians.
1: And that was a good form of government which benefited best by the last in a sense. And all of this language is what would you call it? Like um, earthly blessing versus so I guess in my mind it's not an either or, it's a both and. It's good for the people to have godly leaders and godly laws. You
0: also need godly uh, preaching and godly Right. Yeah. And I, I'm actually not even saying either have godly leadership or godly preaching. What I'm saying is if let's 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 take the, this church as a microcosm, a uh, small example of a, a society, a nation. If if there are benefits that we all receive from being surrounded by people who are spirit-filled. You're hearing the word. And you're like, "You know what? This is actually really nice to be in this kind of environment." What is the danger? For the people who are in that environment, who are taking the benefits of the law of God, the truth of God, the preaching. I mean, does that sound like anything that you've read before, maybe in Hebrews? They get comfortable. They think that I'm receiving these benefits that come from being in this society that's ruled by God and his law. They can think, I'm safe. And I don't think that that's a, uh, an exaggeration of a, a scenario because literally that's what happened in the book of Hebrews. These people were coming into the fellowship. That's what happened in the nation of Israel as well. They were coming into the, to, into the realm of the people of God who are operating under the truth of God. And they were thinking, well, because I'm in this environment, I'm good. I'm safe. This is what Martin Luther was running up against with the, um, the indulgences. And people were like, hey, I, I, I took care of that already. I'm good. He's like, whoa, y'all are, y'all are getting this wrong. And that's, that was one of the things that drove him to write the 95 Thesis. Um, clearly, we need true preaching. And clearly, it's beneficial to have godly leaders in authority in every realm of life. Uh, my only concern is, which is what happened in American history, is people who people who are in that society who are not confronted with with the distinctions. Things get very, very spiritually dark, and history has a habit of repeating itself, and so it seems to me like when I look at history and I see Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, and even what took place here uh, in recent history with the whole moral majority and we're the far right, we're the conservatives, we're going after it, Falwell, thank you, yeah, Uh, scary, And and even, look, I voted for Trump. I appreciate the godly principles of his uh, law making. But when I watch Trump rallies, I'm like, that's not Christian. But what is it called? You got so-called preachers on the platform. There's guys, you know, hey, guns, God, country. I mean, that language, we're in the Bible Belt. How does this even happen? How do you get a Bible belt? How do you get how, how do you get churches everywhere? How do you get people who think, well, yeah, I, I live in the South. Of course, I'm a Christian. Why? Because look at our laws. Look at how we live. Look at we're not like those liberals who murder their babies and marry men. We don't do that. We have the Bible. Look at the Ten Commandments. There it is. But it's just as dark. And that's my concern, is that if, 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 if we, well, again, no one's here doing that, but there is a movement, and it's not a new one, that thinks that as long as there's this biblical law principle um, in society, that that makes the, the citizens of that society safe with God. Dominican Republic, it's the only country in the world that has a Bible verse on its flag. The only one. You know what that Bible verse is? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's a Bible on it in the actual verse. The names of the the streets, you got Augustine this, Calvin that, Redeemer this, all over the place. And when we were there and we're talking to people, same thing in Haiti, it's the exact same thing. You start talking to these people about Christ. What? I live here. What are you talking about? Have you read? Do you see our flag? Look what we got. We're the only ones who got a Bible. We're good. We're safe. And that's my concern is that if we if, if we're not careful, we can become just like them. And so, amen. May the law be. This is the best. There is nothing higher. And to have, to have, even if they're not Christians, just to have people who have Christian-ish uh, language and convictions is going to benefit us all. Like I said, take it down to the smallest level. In the family, if you have a parent who at least grew up in a Christian home, even if they never trusted Christ, and they say, you know what, at least I have some morals. As a child, you are going to benefit Far more from that kind of upbringing than if you had just a hardened, lost, evil, both lost, evil, mean, cruel parent. There's definitely a benefit, but I also think there's a place for caution and and warning. And uh, I think have you all ever seen that movie Time Changer? It's a good movie, it's a Christian film. I recommend it. Really really good. And uh you know, the the whole, I won't spoil the film if you haven't seen it cuz I really do recommend. It. I think it's really good. But there's there's a principle there where this this guy um from old time, he wrote a book where he's saying, "Look, I'm I'm bringing the principles of God's word." And so you don't have to tell the boy, "Don't steal because God hates thieves and throws them into hell and s- stealing is against the law of God. You can just take the principles of God's law and bring them into society and say, don't steal. And, the, and you know, he was he was a professor at a, at a seminary and all the other professors are like, this is good. Yeah, I'm going to endorse this book. And there was one professor was like, no, nah, man. This is dangerous. This is going to lead to something. And they would thought, hey, you crazy, you crazy. Um, by the end of the film, he, the guy was able to see the danger of that. And I think that's exactly what's happened in the history of the world. So there. Oh boy, are we done? Um, okay, please, if, if, if I'm still not clear. Okay, let me just make it clear. Am I saying we should not have god's law as the governing principle of society absolutely not i think that would be the best thing for every society is it good and great and desire to have godly leaders absolutely 100 percent. pray for it hopefully those things are clear does that help I love the pushback. I need to be pushed. Yes? I was going to say, it's very important to even pray for those that are not guiding the leaders, because that can actually still use them. Oh, yeah. And then, the way, Abs- Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, it's very helpful to not just pray for godly leaders, uh, but even those who are wicked. God has and will continue to use. He uses the devil. Can't get more wicked than, of a ruler than the God of this world. And he's a lion on a leash. Right. God always works from the inside out. Man always works from the outside in. And that's why we're so we don't think like God. No, that's a really good question. What do you do when your authority is ungodly? And you know what? I actually recorded, Adonai helped, a short video question, that exact and a question, because Chris uh, sent it and addressed it. And so to briefly state it before we're able to put that out is you only obey as long as you're not disobeying the Lord. Uh, The Lord is the highest authority of all and we obey the government as long as obeying them keeps us obeying the Lord. You only obey your parent as long as it keeps you obeying the Lord. But there are parents and there are governments that will seek to stop you or push you to do that which the law of the Lord forbids. Um, So when they told the apostles, don't preach this name anymore. The response was, you decide, is it better to obey God or man? And they continued to preach, and they got beat. And for the children who are in a situation where they are being abused by the people that should be their protectors, it's such a horrible thing. And my heart goes out to any child, any wife who's in a situation like that. The beauty is God has given the government to protect you. You pick up the phone and call the police. That is why the government is there to to punish wrongdoers. If you have no fear, do what is right, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Um, of course, there's. It can get multi-layered and scenarios and what ifs, and it's it's a very especially today when we're being told to do all kind of foolishness. Um, uh, one one of the things that I sought to bring out in that question uh, video is that Jesus was asked a direct question by the rulers of his day. By whose authority do you cast out these demons? And Jesus did not say, well, you're in charge. Let me answer you. He asked them a question. I'll tell you if you tell me this. They went back Conferred among one another. If we say this, he'll say that. If we do this, he'll say that. So they came back and said, we don't know. They're still in charge. They still asked him a question. He said, neither will I answer you. Why? Because the point of their question, the point of their command was wicked. There was no righteousness involved. And so when the very law that is given, like call men, women, and call women men, that law is wicked. We do not obey that, come what may. When a parent, which happens, tells a child, okay, I'm going to record you doing immoral things so that I can get money, I want you to do this on camera. A parent tells a child that. That child is forbidden from obeying such a law, because the very command itself comes from wickedness. And that child is not to obey that. So, Lord willing, in that video, uh, I was able to expound more, but no authority on this earth has total carte blanche Total autonomy. You command whatever they must obey no matter what. No, God in his mercy has given checks and balances to every sphere of government. Parents, husbands, church, state. Because he is the Lord of lords and he is the king of kings and we obey him first and foremost. Does that hope. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, yes. It seems like, it
1: seems like a lot of us, myself included, just put: it in the category,
0: it I appreciate that question. Uh, I was laughing because I was thinking of Todd Friel. Love Todd Friel, Retro Radio. and so- <laughs> he said something that really got him into a bit of hot water. Well, he says a lot of stuff that gets him in hot water. But he said something like, if the government tells me to put, like, I don't know, like, pinwheels on my, my ears, then I'm gonna do it, because it's not a sinful command. It's stupid, it's dumb. Parents forgive me for saying that. Parents don't like that word. Uh, but he said, I would just do it. And people came back and said, whoa, hold your horses there, buddy. That's, that, that's not what Romans 13 is saying. And it started to really cause a lot of investigation and going to the text and cross references. And what does this mean and how much are we really commanded to obey? And Todd, in typical Todd fashion, said, "Okay, let's take the same principle of authority to do something that you consider stupid and apply it to a parent and a child. And if the child says, I think what you just told me to do is stupid. Are you okay? They don't have to obey? If a wife to her husband says, you know what? Brothers, how many, right? We we say, look, this is what I want you to do. And they're looking at us like,
1: okay.
0: Do they have a right to say, I think that's not a wise decision, so I'm not going to obey you. Is it only in this realm that we apply this? And the thing I appreciate about him and James White, because they were going back and forth about this, is we need to be consistent. We've got to be consistent. Whatever we say on this side of the scale, we have to say on this side of the scale because the Lord loves a just balance. He does not like these uneven weights. And so this is something that clearly is going to require more discussion and more thought. And I am not as wise as those men But I will say this, that submission only comes into play when you disagree. It's not submission if you agree, right? If if you agree, you're not submitting to anything. You're just going the way you want to go. The act of submission, under, I'm coming under the Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. The most perfect example of submission we've ever seen. So, the very act of authority giving a command and submitting to it implies, I don't necessarily want to do this. And everyone who is under authority, whether it's your boss, whether it's your husband, whether it's your parent, have all been put in a situation where they've told you to do something that you really didn't want to do. And yet, what did you do? Lord, I'm trusting you and I'm doing this unto you, even though I don't agree. Is the government the only place where we don't have to apply that principle? Excellent question. So sometimes, and again, please, I'm not saying you should put pinwheels on your ears. Not, don't, don't hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that this is something that you're going to have to wrestle with. And I, I commend to you Vodi Bachum's three-part uh, message on Romans 13. Very challenging, very biblical. Y'all know Vodi, So, well, some of you do. Highly recommend that to your hearing. It's very challenging, biblical, gives way forward. Okay, so what about where what they command, you, it's not wise, and you speak out. And in speaking out against what they did, good results come. Now, I would say we have to be careful of, what's it called, pragmatism, where we judge the rightness of something by how successful it is. Right. So if good things come about by doing this, that can cause us to go down. I mean, people can take that and say, look, I've you've heard it. A woman who murdered her baby and say, but look, by by me not having a child, I was able to accomplish this, this and this. Look at all the people I help. Therefore, this is the argument. Therefore, abortion is good, because look at all the fruit that comes. You're clearly not saying that, but that's how pragmatism is used. Um, And you said something extremely important if it's done respectfully. And again, no greater example than the Lord himself. He asked his father three times, can I not do this? If you're under the authority of someone else, you have the right to speak. You have the right as a wife, as a child, as an employee, as a citizen, to speak and say, this is what God's word says, that would be sin. Or, I don't think this is wise and these are the reasons. Um, but we have to be careful about judging the rightness of something by its success. But I know we're over time. This is so good, y'all. Uh, let's, let's put a marker in it and uh, maybe we can talk about it at fellowship more. It does. It it, it, it even uses the word stupid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for your comments. Amen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The proverb actually uses the word stupid. So, amen. Man, I love this church. I love you all. Wonderful questions. Thank you for being patient with me as I'm trying to navigate these things. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who leads and guides us and father we want to be submissive to you we want your kingdom we want your reign your rule your your worship to be here and lord we live in a world where there are rulers and authorities and kings and kingdoms, and we want to navigate through all of this in a way that honors you, that doesn't cause us to compromise, that doesn't cause us to be uh, fools being led to slaughter. Uh, Lord, we want to think of our children, we want to think of the church, we want to think of how we can help the kingdom go forward, and we know, Lord, one thing can lead to another, so please give us wisdom, give us clarity of thought during these dark times that we are living in. It's in Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen.